Nudson. Mr. Tursky, what's up? This is Two Guys Talking Golf. Oh, love it. Love to be back. Wyndham Championship Week, baby. Oof. The Wyndham Championship. The last chance for people to sneak into the top 125. Is this the last one? This is Lalka. Last one. All right. Then we got playoffs coming. Memphis, yep. Delaware, then Atlanta, playing for the big bucks. But this week, everyone's fighting to get in. So yeah. there's a little tension in the air, I will say. There was also heat and humidity. It's very hot down in in North Carolina, <laughs> Greensboro. Everyone was sweating up a storm. Um, but yeah, you could feel a little tension in the air. Everyone's taking it pretty seriously. Um, this is the time of the year where not a lot of equipment changes are happening, really. Not a lot of testing. Guys are kind of like settled into their bags and really just focused on basically making the cut and then finishing as as high as they possibly can to stack up some points. Like that's where we're yeah. at in the season. Um, or they go over to the Corn Ferry Tour Finals and see what happens there. You know, that's that's a very yeah. competitive event down there. <laughs> I, I, I believe that yeah. Greg Moore will be going to the Corn Ferry Tour Finals, whereas I will be going to the BMW Championship. So if you're interested in some uh, Corn Ferry Tour what's in the bags, Greg's got you covered. If you're more of a BMW championship guy, I got you covered. Um, but this week we were both out there um, covering what what little changes were happening, really. But we do have some interesting topics this week, equipment-wise. Um, would you like to start off with letting the people know what you got coming up? Because I believe you might be playing in the Ryder Cup. <laughs> Uh, I well, yeah, and uh, it'll be interesting. I mean, the corn fairy is kind of an interesting thing to see. We don't see a ton of it, so it'll be exciting to see where Greg goes with that. But yeah, I will be uh, the next three days. I'll be playing uh, ninety holes of golf in three days, and uh, yeah, we go up a uh, little sixteen guys. Uh, we've had the same sixteen this year. We have one change. One guy, him and his wife, are expecting a baby like nowish. Is that like so a cop out excuse? The... Did, did he actually go to live and he didn't get approved to play? <laughs> <laughs> what's, no, what's from what deal? I heard, he is he is. From what I had, from what I've heard, he has not signed an official offer. Okay, so I think he's still eligible. He's still good. Uh, but uh, yeah, so this year we got one sub. But yeah, we had sixteen guys. We have two eight man teams, and we play a little uh, mini Ryder Cup style. So we play a little two man best ball, a little uh, two man modified alternate shot, uh, a little two man scramble. We kind of rotate through and. Uh, yeah, we play 18, 18, or 36, 36, 18, go home. So. I absolutely love that. There's nothing more fun than splitting up teams within a group. You kind of get that competition yep. flowing and changing up the format a little bit because 18, 18, 36, you know, a lot of like buddies' trips are like that. And then by like the last day, everyone's like, well, I just shot 108. <laughs> two days in a row and I don't really feel like playing 36 like I'm dead who set up this trip it's awful yeah you know but if if you change up formats you play a little alternate shot or best ball or like two-man scrambles or something like that it kind of keeps everyone engaged into it um you rack up the point system at dinner every night you're chirping oh. at the other team maybe even split up tables <laughs> so that like half the trip's not even a part of it <laughs> you know what I mean? like that's all that's all really fun to me um, if anyone's planning like a bachelor party wow. trip, I will say that's the oh, yeah. is you kind of get two captains and let them pick. Like we did that, uh, one time for a bachelor party, um, about a year back now. 
and it just gets everyone chirping. Oh. Like, I got picked last, or I got picked first. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that camaraderie. It kind of builds more than just okay, let's go play golf. Here's the time, and then if you double bogey the first hole, it's just like all right, this trip's yeah. awful. No, <laughs> you know, gets the competition high. The so whole time. we take it. I mean, like we, we take it seriously. Like everybody wants to win. We have a big trophy. Everybody wants their name on the trophy. Um, but it's it's not so cutthroat where you're not going to give like somebody else a yardage. You know, if you walk into a par three and you're lazy, you're not going to like not tell the other team that it's one eighty seven or you know no, whatever. You'll tell the other team, just you're going to tell them the wrong yard. Well, yeah, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna add six or seven <laughs> yards, no problem. Um, but uh, but no, I mean we we've had so we had our draft. Uh, we we have two captains every year. We had our draft back in like June. Uh, where we picked the teams, and we take it pretty seriously. Where Sunday is singles, match play, singles. So at the end of Saturday night, the captains get together, decide who's playing who, and put all the you know the matchups together. And we you get a team shirt. So my team is uh, going to be kind of this blue pattern shirt. Uh, sometimes you get a hat. Sometimes you know it just depends on the swag year what you get. Uh, but you're definitely getting a polo. So everybody rolls out as teams. And then uh, we've even gone so far as I think it started last year. Whoever was picked dead last had actually Mister Irrelevant on the collar, embroidered <laughs> into the shirt, uh, or it was on the back of the shirt. Something incredible. And uh, my youngest brother was Mister Irrelevant this year, so it'll be interesting to see if that name is in fact embroidered on the back of his shirt somewhere. Because uh, yeah, you know. And, and then we have an email thread going with everybody you know in there, and it has just been just trash talk since June. I mean, it's just been ruthless in there. So it, uh, it, it it's it's about to be on. I mean, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., first tea time. I'm actually in the first group. So it's uh, it's going to be good. It's modified alternate shot, first first uh, nine out, modified alternate shot. So that's going to be that's going to be interesting to uh, to go out and have to play that right out of the gate. So it'll be uh, what's like the what's the vibe? Are you shotgunning a Coors Light on the first tee? Is it Bloody Marys, uh, or is everyone taking it like fairly seriously? It's waters until until lunchtime. No, I mean it's it's going to be. It, it depends all on the players. We've got some like as the group has collectively gotten a little bit older and had families and children and things like that. Things have slowed down. Uh, previous years, there have been some per- people rolling in minus shirts. Uh, very <laughs> in various very levels of yeah, in various levels of intoxication. Uh, right out of the gate, though, a couple guys will crack a few brewskis right out of the gate uh, just to get rolling. Uh, for me, it really depends. I think I'm going to take that first couple holes easy, and then we'll see where we are. If uh, we need to get a little loose and and you know get a little aggressive, score some points if we're down. You know, maybe I might, uh, you know, see if there's a, a cold Budweiser available from the old cart girl or something like that. But uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out early, take it easy, you know, loosen up on the range, and then we'll have to kind of go from there. Are there any other gearheads out there, or does everyone think you're just insane? Uh, I'm insane. I bring two full bags, two full sets, uh, <laughs> but I serious? already, yeah. And then I've already uh, my show. I, so my show this week. If you go listen to the, the Shameless Plug, if you go listen to Club Junkie, ha- more than half the show is talking about the two bags I'm bringing and what clubs are going in mm-hmm. which bag. Um, okay. And then I've already got a text from my other brother. I, I have two younger brothers. My middle brother uh, already sent me a text. Driver shaft snapped on like a third hole, so I've got one glued up, ready to go. I just got to throw a grip on it to take it up tomorrow morning. So they came to the right guy. <laughs> Yeah. I think you have yeah. a couple extra shafts and a couple driver heads laying around. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'll, uh, I'll have, and, and that happened before too. We had a guy who uh, who broke a driver, and thankfully I had you know full second bag, so I gave him the driver out of that bag. And uh, I think he complained that he didn't hit it very well, and kind of blamed me for losing some points. But I was like, hey man, at least you had a driver in the bag. You know, I mean, at least you didn't have to play the whole ninety holes with a three wood. So you know, quit complaining. Is it a uh, is it a handicapped thing? And what are like the skill levels? No, it's it's not handicap. Uh, we we basically try to match up though, the best. We try to match up as best we can. Like I mean, we look at handicaps. Not everybody in the group carries one. Um, but the skill level realistically is is there's a there's I think the lowest handicap is probably around, probably a, a seven ish, uh, six or seven, and then it goes up to. You know, I'm trying to think. My, my, I think my youngest brother, who is Mr. Irrelevant, might have the highest handicap, and I think he's probably like a 20. He's probably like a 20 something, like 20, 21. He's probably right around there. And what oh, we try to do bad. is just. So there's no, no one that's we, like a 45 that's going to shoot like 130. I mean, somebody might shoot 130, but it's probably more because <laughs> of the beverages on hand yeah. uh, and things like that. But. Uh, <laughs> It, but we try to match up like like the guy like my like the the worst player will never play the best player in match play. You know we mm-hmm. always try to make things as even as possible. And even in the pairings, the two man teams, we may have like one of the lower handicaps with one of the higher ones. But then we'll do the same thing on the other team. So we try to match it up as best we can because it's it just the scoring throwing in handicaps makes it even harder and all that. So we just try to make it as equal as possible. And, and so far it's worked out pretty well. I've uh, this is my fourth year in it. And I've uh, this will be my fourth year. I've won t- twice. I've lost once. Uh, so going into this one, looking to get my name back on the trophy. You know, it's been a year without it. Well, good luck out there. Play well. Make sure you stay hydrated. Um, yeah. Speaking of team play and captaincy. <laughs> yeah. This is the transition right here. Love Davis it. Davis Love the third. He's the captain of the United States team for the Presidents Cup this year. That'll be at Quail Hollow in Charlotte, and they are playing this week the Wyndham Championship at Sedgefield Country Club in Greensboro. Now, Davis Love III, he's kind of the king of North Carolina. He went to UNC. He's going to be the captain at Quail Hollow, and he's won the Wyndham Championship three times. Well, it wasn't the Wyndham Championship. In 1992, I got it written down because I was going to forget these names. In 1992, he won the Kmart Greater Greensboro Open. In 2006, he won the Chrysler Classic of Greensboro. Then in 2015, like his most recent PGA Tour victory, the last one he won, Wyndham Championship 2015. So technically, he's won it three times. Like This is all considered the same event. Um, going back years and years, his first two wins came at Forest Oaks, which is where they used to play it. Now they play it at Sedgefield, um, which is where he won in 2015. Um, so for PJTour.com, I don't know if people know this or not, but Golf WRX writes either two to four articles a week for PJTour.com. Um, they are our equipment, you know, content sharing partners. So we write some stories yeah. for them each week. This week, we did a breakdown of Davis Love III's What's in the Bag from 92 compared to Ooh. his 2022 nice. What's in the Bag, which is 30 oh. years ago. 1992 is 30 years wow. ago. How old does that make you feel? That's crazy. <laughs> Pretty old. I was 11 uh, in 92, so I was in what, like 
seventh grade or something like that. I don't know what's what. I don't know sixth or seventh grade, something like that. Uh, yeah, I was eleven, so that was uh, definitely a long time ago. Yeah, I was two years Tursky, old. Were you, were you born? I yet? was two years old. I'm about to say, <laughs> <laughs> baby. I'm about to say, were you were you even uh, in this world at that time, baby Tursh? But uh, wow, yeah, thirty years ago. Thirty years ago. That's. Uh, I mean, equipment had to be. I mean, substantially different back then compared to now understatement okay so 92 let's go through his what's in the bag a little bit so in 1985 i was going back and i found actually this book that davis love the third wrote in 97 along with michael bamberger i don't know if you know michael bamberger but pretty i would say one of the more famous golf writers he's written a lot of books he's written for all sorts of publications and websites um i think he's at the fire pit collective now okay. like ship knocking them yeah either way i found 1997 i'm just trying to pull some of this stuff up so he was actually talking about this driver 1985 he said it was given to me by a good friend bob spence i experiment with metal drivers often but i find they go marginally longer than my wooden driver, but they don't give me any shape. I find it more difficult to create shape with my drives off a metal face, which is important to me. I love the sound my ball makes as it comes off the persimmon insert of my driver. I'm no technophobe. My fairway woods have metal heads, but when it comes to my old wooden driver, I guess the only thing I can really say is that I enjoy golf more with it, and I think I play better with it. Golf is somehow more pleasing to me when played with a driver made of wood. He said that in 97, <laughs> which is kind of when people were transitioning away. And in 1985, he put in this Cleveland Classic. Oh, yeah. Um, Cleveland Classic oil-hardened RC85. And he played that until 1997. So in 92, when he won at wow. uh, the Wyndham Championship, he was obviously playing this Cleveland Classic with a steel shaft, which I assume would be an X100. Um, I'm not sure what other popular steel shafts were going on yeah. in 92 i was just born but i would <laughs> i would assume it's an x100 but that's a serious that's a serious driver to still be using in 97 we've had some experience me and you trying out some uh, some old persimmon type type drivers and it doesn't really go very well no i mean it, it well it's it's for the exact opposite reason of why he liked a persimmon driver mm-hmm. tons of spin the ball you're, you're able to shape crazy shots which is what a lot of amateurs don't want to do. A lot of amateurs just want to hit it straight, and they like the metal heads, now titanium, no spin. The ball just goes pretty straight. Back then, I mean, the ball moved a ton. And, I mean, one, the ball was spinnier. Two, the heads were spinnier. And, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of forgiveness also in a persimmon head. I mean, if you hit it out on the toe, hit it out on the heel, you're going to see much more curvature to the ball than you do nowadays. So, uh, yeah, I mean... I, but 97, I mean, that's so late. That's like... Really um, late. He was one of the last guys I mean, that's to really late. Literally. Yeah. That's like... that. That's kind of crazy how late that was. Because, I mean, realistically, 97 was... I mean, geez, I was in high school. I mean, everything was steel back then. I don't think you could buy a wood driver in 97. At least not, like... I mean, Louisville or whoever was probably still making some specialty pieces, stuff like that. But I don't think from a major OEM, like a Cleveland, a TaylorMade, Callaway title, whoever... I'm pretty sure there wasn't a wood driver in the lineup. I just love how stubborn he was about it too. Like he sees yeah. all these, all of his fellow tour players are switching over to uh, titanium, 
Um, and he just doesn't. But at 97, so this book comes out in 97. That quote was from 97. And then in 1997, he actually switched to the 975D. The oh, title, wow. <laughs> title is 975D in 97, like pretty early in it too. I've Just so you know, I've gone through every single photo of Davis Love from about 85 <laughs> until 2000, looking at all his golf clubs. Um, so what I think... And it's really hard to get information on some of this old stuff, but in his three wood, so he played the persimmon driver, but he had a metal headed three wood, which I believe was a tailor made tour spoon, thirteen degree. Mm. And judging from the photos, they're all super grainy from back then. I think he had a Harrison boron graphite shaft oh, yeah. in, in nineteen ninety two. I haven't got full confirmation on it yet. There's a lot of moving parts trying to get information this old. Um, there's a lot of emails and text being exchanged and photos being analyzed and, and stuff like that. But as far as I could tell, it looked like a Harrison Boron. So that's pr- that's pretty interesting. It goes with the steel-shafted persimmon driver Whoa. and then a metal-headed graphite-shafted three-wood. Man. And Harrison's all – I mean, that's a name that you probably haven't heard of in forever when it comes to graphite shafts. They used to be the boys at it, and now – I mean, I, I don't know even know if they're still in business anymore. They they used to make, they had a good run right like early two thousands with like uh, a couple different shafts they made, and then it was pretty much kind of over for them. Uh, at least I think it is. I'd have to go online and see if they still make shafts, but they were cutting edge for a while. Yep, and then going down into the irons, um, he wasn't playing a five wood, obviously not a hybrid, not a driving iron, nope. but he did have a set of Tommy Armor. 845s, two through pitching wedge, I believe. I believe he went all the way up to the two iron and the Tommy Armor 845s, but they weren't blades. They were like kind of cavity back style. I've never personally yeah. hit them. My dad never had um, that specific set laying around. He was more of like a ping guy. So he had all the, the old ping, all the old <laughs> ping irons. Um, but do you have any experience with the Tommy Armor 845s? Yeah, I uh, I had a buddy who had a set. Uh, I, I, they were probably a little after. Well, they probably weren't too long after that. They were probably like end of high school. Uh, had a set that I think he got from you know a dad, brother, something like that, uh, and hit those. And I remember when I hit them, I thought they were like amazing. Like they were so like I was playing. Geez, at the time, whatever hand me downs my dad probably handed to me, which at the time could have even been like the seventy two Apex Blades, uh, and they were just like. So much longer, so much higher. They're so much easier to hit. Uh, and then I remember playing a set of like knockoff versions that somebody had. Um, then instead of like, instead of 845s, they were like something like, you know, the the 646s or oh, who knows. They had some other like number, whatever. They were like a knockoff version. And I remember hitting those. And again, thinking, wow, these are so much better than what I have. Um, but I knew a ton of people who had those irons. They, they were super classic. I mean, they're still. I bet to this day there's probably a lot of people who would still play them. Still playing them? You know who would. I mean, if you, like, game a set, go and play, they'd probably still okay. play them. All right. Fair enough. Um, it's like the I-2. It's like the I-2. To me, I don't get it. That iron to me is one of the ugliest irons, like, ever produced. The ping I-2. And I know I'm going to catch a ton of that's flack. That's what my dad was playing back in the day, so hopefully he's not listening. Yeah, You're going to get it, a earful. <laughs> and listen, Mr. Turski, I apologize because it's nothing against you as a man. You're a, you're, you're you're a great guy, but those irons are the ugliest irons ever made, and I don't wow. get 
the whole thing with those. You're going to get flamed um, on social media for saying that. That's like one of the yeah, biggest it's, it's cult fun. followings I mean, of Irons like in the game. No? Yeah, they're – no, I'm sorry. Just not – you know what? They were great at their time, but they've been it, – it, You don't it's like over. the ping zing? Let them go. No. <laughs> if you want to hang them on the wall, whatever, great. But you're never going to see a set of those. Well, you're not about to like uh, Davis Love the Third's wedges because he was playing ping eye two sandwich <laughs> and love wedge. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. I wish I was making that up, but he, he legitimately was. Yeah, the new the reissue one. I think uh, wasn't Mickelson. Like somebody said Mickelson. Oh yeah, those in his bag that's kind of been off and on in his around, bag so. throughout like Mickelson's whole yeah, career. He always tried to hide it, like he didn't want his sponsors knowing that he was playing the the ping. But I don't know. I always thought that the ping I too when it got down into the wedges, like I didn't really mind the irons. They were never my favorite. Um, personally, for me, I just didn't love the shape. It seemed like. The offset and the hosel, something was weird about it. But when I go to open the yep. lob wedge, it like, I don't know. It doesn't seem like an open-faced club to me. It just looks weird. I prefer that more rounded, like, traditional wedge shape. But people go absolutely crazy over the ping eye twos, and you still see them floating around today. Um, if you go play muni golf, like, I play a lot of muni golf, you'll see it in kind of the old-timers type bag setups. Like, yep. you see a ping eye two all the time. So if you're in that world, if you're used to looking at a ping eye too, I would probably be thrown off by like a Vokey or a Mac Daddy or a milled grind wedge myself because they're so much more rounded and they look completely different. So if you're used to that pointy toe, high toe, and like the way the hosel's set up and kind of the straighter leading edge to me, um, I could see why you would get thrown off and have trouble making the transition <laughs> into a newer wedge. So. It makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I understand it. Like there's, there's something about it that whether it's the sole design, whether it's the, um, you know, having that kind of high flared out toe that gives some real estate up top in case you catch it high and, you know, high off the toe and say a bunker shot or a, um, uh, a shot of the rough that the ball's sitting up in or something like that. Like I, I understand it. And I think it's, like you said, the, the wedges are slightly more acceptable, especially nowadays when you're seeing more of, high toe mm-hmm. style wedges from a lot of manufacturers they've kind of become a little more accepting um but you know to me i just i don't know i i, I guess there was something about it that just didn't work with my game or something i i hit a handful of them um and i never hit them that great so they were never anything that i ever lusted over or searched ebay late at night for or anything like that um, but those reissue ones have popped up in a few uh, a few tour bags, especially right when they came out, there was a handful of them out there. I think again, you probably see less of them now because there are so many other options with that kind of high sweeping toe uh, style wedge that you know other people have gotten into. But um, yeah, they've been out there. I mean, they've they've definitely been you know more popular than I give them credit for. Let's put it that way. Yeah, and you're right. It has bled over into modern design. Um, Taylor made high toe, obviously yeah. super popular. Um, PM, PM grind. grind like a lot of the different companies actually have a high Sir. toe option um i don't have yep. one in my bag so that kind of tells you where i'm at with with the design i, I just don't love like a super <laughs> high toe it kind of throws me off when i throw the face open but you know for cg purposes if you're trying yeah, to hit it, like a really low flighted shot or you're trying to increase um surface area like when hitting out of the rough um 
kind of engage grooves when you miss it out towards the toe like i see it as a viable option for people it's just the way i use a lob wedge like i yeah. love to throw it open even if i'm hitting it low i might have like the face open and try to feel like i'm releasing it low you know what i mean that that open face low spinning yeah. shot <laughs> <laughs> that everybody hits. I usually chunk it's it. A, but, yeah. but yeah, you're you're well I, I played I just uh, want it available. Yeah. I, I played the uh the Cleveland uh the Zipcore full face, which was kind of the high top. I played that a lot okay. last year. Yeah. Um and actually I hit it really well and there was some some great things about it and for whatever reason this year um it just I guess it's not in the bag at the moment. But yeah, I, I mean I've dabbled with it. I messed with the the original PM grind when it came out. I played that for a little while. Um, and then, uh, I tried the second PM grind and it just got the shape got a little too funky, way too much offset for me. I just, I didn't love it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've dabbled with it. I'm, I've messed with them and there, there, there are, like they say, they, they serve a great purpose for certain shots and for players who play certain shots or certain conditions. I think they definitely have their spot. You're just a big dabbler. <laughs> All right. I, I, well, yeah, I, I like to dabble, dabble in a little everything except I twos and zings, not being dabbled in those. <laughs> and then obviously with his putter, he... Used a ping answer like every other tour pro in 1992. Yep. So no shocker there. Um, would you like to flash forward and get a brief rundown of what he's playing now? Sure, because he's. Uh, he, I mean, he he was a longtime titleist guy. He's now free agent, right? He's still free agent. So I believe and he's, he's a tinker. A free agent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he's a tinker. He's a guy who messes around with some stuff. He'll mess around, but then when he finds something he likes, it stays in the bag. Like. Yeah. Obviously, with that Cleveland Classic driver, he played it for 12 years. Um, and now, kind of just looking at his bag, he still plays the TSI 3 driver at 8 degrees. Um, obviously, there's new TSR drivers floating around. They're not officially out. We don't know the tech officially. Um, True. So, we can't say anything there. But he's still playing the TSI 3 driver. Then he goes TS3, 3-wood. So oh, he hasn't wow, upgraded okay. in a while there. Um, and these specs are accurate as of last week. He played in the Rocket Mortgage as well. So I don't believe that he made any changes for the Wyndham this week. I didn't see him personally testing out anything. Um, so they should still hold up. Utility-wise, he's got a Callaway Apex UW. Okay, yeah. Have you hit that? I've yeah. only hit it like yeah, a couple times. Where does it... Where does it like stack up in the bag compared to a hybrid, a five wood, and a driving iron? Like what flight? Like what window am I looking at? Um, it's actually a little flatter than so it's gonna be it's probably gonna be above a driving iron, but under your hybrid. And then under you know, oh, so I, it's, I, I would I, it's flying low. Yeah, it I would say that like your 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 fairway wood, five or seven wood is gonna fly the highest. Hybrid's probably right under that. Uh, and then I would say the UW and then driving iron, uh, if I had to put them. Uh, they're long, though. The the one thing you have to kind of be wary of is if, if you have, say you're going to replace a hybrid with it, if you're going to replace a 19-degree hybrid with a 19-degree UW, the UW is going to fly further, or it has for most guys, mm. most players. Um, so you have to be a little careful because I got the 19. I was kind of putting it in the bag as like a, a three-iron replacement, you know, three-hybrid replacement. And it just goes so far. Like, I really need to get the 21 to play as the 3-iron. Um, but it's actually pretty good. It's, it's pretty neutral bias. It's not crazy forgiving. 
Uh, so you'll be able to work the ball, hit, you know, hit draws, hit fades. It's pretty neutral bias, uh, and it flies pretty flat. So for a lot of more skilled players, they, they tend to go in the bag pretty easily. That makes sense for Davis Love. He's always been a pretty high ball hitter to me, so I'm sure that he likes that, that penetrating flight. Um, yep. Probably more forgiving than his Tommy Armour 845 2-iron as well. Yeah, I would think so. I would think just a smidge. Just a smidge longer and a smidge more forgiving. Okay, and then he goes to the AP2 718s. So, like I said, he sticks with things for a little bit. Um, Yeah, but I feel like 718s are are kind of in a handful of bags, though. There's something about the 718 compared to that that first T100. There's something about that 18 that's that's in a handful of bags because there's been a few what's in the bags this year that you're, we've still seen uh, some some uh, AP2 718s. And he goes with True Temper Elevate Tor shafts. I personally have never hit it. Um, obviously, I know they're like a little bit softer, slightly higher launching, right? Yep. Yeah, a little lighter weight too. I think even the Tour comes in at like just under 120 grams. I want to say it's like around 100. And, 1518 so a little lighter than dynamic gold they do get the ball up a little higher than like a standard s300 uh, or something like or x100 depending on what you're comparing mm-hmm. it to uh but definitely a little lighter weight and a different uh yeah pattern uh i think they have a different step pattern for a little higher launch i've got a set uh i got the 95s in my uh pxg irons okay so you do have pretty solid experience with it i'll take your word for it i haven't personally yep. hit them um for me with with iron shafts I've pretty much gone X100 my whole life. I switched to 6.5s a little bit. Um, I also tried the C-Taper uh, 130Xs. Um, I always just end up like wanting to go back to X100s. And I have those AMT <laughs> X100s in my uh, T100s right now. I think I'm going to go heavier. Like I need a, I need a wow. little more weight back. I think I'm going to switch them out <laughs> for the X100s. Um, I, th- I think nice. I said when we were doing like our what's in the bag episode that I was going to give them like a proper chance. And it's just when I pick up every other club, then I go back to my irons. It makes them seem so light. Like it just doesn't match with the set. So it kind of throws off my feels a little bit. That's no excuse for how bad I've been playing. Okay. But I'm just saying feel wise. <laughs> <laughs> They're a little light. Um no, I mean, that, that's true. I mean, if, if you're used to playing that, and that, that's a big reason why I think you see so many X100 sets out on tour is that there's a lot of guys who grew up playing an X100, and it's still a great shaft. Like, I'm not trying to knock it. Could they maybe find a little different performance with something else? Probably sure, yeah. There's a lot of options out there, but there's so many guys who grew up playing that shaft since they were probably 15, 16 years old, assuming they were strong enough to swing it, and... That's just what they play now, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's a, a big reason why you see so many of them out on tour. Preach. Preach right there. Um, I'm just going to finish yeah. up his what's in the bag real quick. He's got SM9 yep. wedges, so he upgraded to new wedges. He goes 46, so no pitching wedge is part of the iron set. He goes with the SM9 as his pitching wedge, then 50, 56, 60. He's got a K-grind, 10-degree bounce K-grind, uh, lob wedge, Scotty Cameron, masterful putter, pretty pretty slick looking putter. Um, we have photos yeah. over on GolfWX.com and the forums. I think the easiest way to probably get back to uh, Davis Love the Thirds, what's in the bag? The most recent one that we shot is to Google Davis Love the Third, what's in the bag, twenty twenty one. 
that'll take you right to the Golf to Beer <laughs> forums. Twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think that's the last time we like officially you mean, like shot photos of oh, his clubs. Um, oh, gotcha. But the information that I I just went through yep. is accurate as of last week. I went through Titleist to confirm. Um, so all good there. Davis Love the third also kind of been popping off in his press conferences. Did you see what he said? <laughs> No, I didn't, but I got to believe there's been a lot of people Everything's popping off. Everything's crazy so. right now, man. I don't know if we really want to get into all of it, but <laughs> you know, just while we're on the topic of Davis Love III, he basically said if the PGA Tour allows the guys who left for live to come back and play the PGA Tour, oh, yeah. that he thinks a boycott might be coming. Or he's calling for a boycott. Um, no. I forget the exact direct quote. But he mentioned boycotting. Like, basically, the players that stuck around, stayed on the PGA Tour, if the live guys come back, they should just not play. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's – there's no way you're going to you're gonna tell these guys to not – if you're going to try to set up a boycott, yeah, I just don't see that working. I mean, there's too many guys who are out on tour. It is their living. It's how they make their money. And to tell them to just sit out of a bunch of tournaments because a bunch of live players going to play, I just don't see. Ah, I just don't see that work. I just don't see that happening. I might understand the why he wants to do that and all that, but I, I just don't see that happening. So here's what's happening. Just a quick update. I really don't want to talk about it. So if you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. But um, <laughs> eleven live players are suing the tour for antitrust. Yeah. So basically yep. what they're saying is they want to be able to come back and play on the PGA Tour. Yep. They want to play in the FedEx Cup playoffs, the Tour Championship. They want free reign to come back, play on the PGA Tour, but also pocket the big bag of money that Liv gave them to go over there and play in those events as well. Um, there's also talk. I think Patrick Reed's going to play a bunch of international series events over in Asia. Um I think they're all trying to figure out a way to like still get world rankings points to play in the majors. So a lot of talk was had like while they were leaving, all their quotes were, you know, this frees me up, family time, less golf, and everyone's kind of ragging on them because they're suing and entering other tournaments to play more golf. Um, it's <laughs> it's all the best right now, man. 2023 is going to be an interesting year because we're going to get – a bunch of those answers. Um, yeah. You know, th- the chips are going to fall. Who's going to end up on live? Who's going to stay PGA tour? How is it going to work? Are they going to like, if they let the live guys play on the PGA tour, then why wouldn't everyone just grab that live money? Like then you're just well, leaving money on the table, but then you're still I, allowed to play the PGA tour. Yeah. Like that would be, that would kind of defeat so many different purposes of of like the point of live. I think, isn't it to get everyone well, away from the PGA Tour and now they're they're going back to the well, PGA Tour? I'm very confused. Well, I mean, I, I think the original plan for the live tour was to get all the best players and the most the the fan favorites was to get all them because mm-hmm. then that way people would watch that tour. Um, but I think if if you if it happens where you get to play both tours then I don't think there will be a huge amount of money to go over and play the live tour unless you're 
the last couple big names, you know, the Justin Thomases, the Rorys, the couple guys who are left that are really big names. I unfortunately don't think that some of the lower, you know, the the, the less known guys, I, I don't think that mo- I think that money dries up. You know, because at this point, you've got so many names over there. You've got a, a decent amount of big names. I think that money kind of goes away unless you're, a, you know, one of the biggest left on the PGA Tour. But, um, yeah, if, you, if you're able to do both, I mean, I don't know. It, it, for the From a fan's perspective, I mean, yes, the fans just want to see their favorite players. They don't really care, you know, if they play both or either one or whatever. They just want to see their favorite players. But um, I don't know. I mean, if you're at the PGA Tour, I feel like you got to stand your ground if you can. I mean, the legal side, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what's going to go on there. I feel like you got to stand your ground, uh, or else you'll lose more and more players, and you know you'll kind of get even more diluted. Um, but you know, and and if and if you live, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess for the exposure, but you know, wouldn't you want your guys playing on your tour and not playing a bunch of other ones too? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't. Maybe the the marketing side of that is it's worth it for them to go play, but yeah, it's gonna be like you said, twenty twenty three is gonna be a really really interesting year uh, when it comes to golf for sure. I think. Like, with Liv, their whole kind of shtick has been, we're going to give you all this freedom, like, do what you want, but we're going to pay you a bunch of money to play on this tour, and then you can do whatever you, whatever else you want from there. Yeah. Now it seems like they are going to require a minimum amount of events, and then they encourage them to play international series so that they keep getting world ranking points to play majors. And now with this lawsuit, it's just like, what do you, what do you guys want? Because... <laughs> you know, just from a general fan perspective, it's like you got your money, you're going over yeah. there and you're competing for money. Like I understand wanting to play the majors, but now you want to play the PGA Tour. It's like it is kind of offensive to the guys like Rory, Tiger, JT, who have been like firm in their stance. They're like, no, I'm sticking with the PGA Tour. My loyalties with the PGA Tour, um, and really like kind of putting their neck out there to to back the PGA Tour. You know, like yep. they're standing with their people. And now it's like Phil and Bryson and they want to come back. It's like you can't – I hate to use cliches, but that is trying to like have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. And, no, and I, now I, they, I agree. to live, like are they going to offer big bags <clears throat> for guys – to go over there like if if the courts side with the live players and they're allowed to play the PGA Tour as well why would they even need like a big bag up front if I'm like say Victor Hovland or whatever I feel like that initial price goes way down now that it's like well I can play anywhere I want anyway so what would be the incentive to like to dip over to the live I don't know yeah. Like I said, I'm a little confused about no, the I, whole thing and what they're actually like getting at here. Because what does Phil Mickelson want? Yeah, he wants 150 million dollars or whatever it was from Live, and he wants to play the PGA Tour and play the majors. It's like there has to be some sacrifice yeah. made, you know. Like there has to be. You can't just get a free bag of money and then play wherever you want and then still <laughs> keep your PGA Tour membership. Like you flamed everyone on the PGA Tour and said like basically screw you guys i don't care about you i'm gonna go do this and you think pj tour players are gonna welcome yep. him back to pj tour ranges with open arms i don't know no they, they won't but also i think i well i think you're 100 right because none of the guys other than paparez will come out and say it's about 
the money and not playing as many tournaments. And that's what it was about. And if they want to say it's because it's growing the game, whatever, it wasn't. It was the fact that somebody threw a big bag of $150 million in front of Phil Mickelson. And guess what? The PGA Tour wasn't going to throw $150 million at Phil Mickelson. So he went. And he'll never admit it, but it was for the money. I mean, I mean, you'd be better off just admitting. Be like, yeah, they threw a huge sack of money at me. I'm taking it. I want to go play. But you know what? I still do want to play the PGA Tour events because I like some of them and I want to play the majors and whatever. If he comes on and says that, I think everybody's okay with it because everybody's mm-hmm. in the same position. If, if somebody walks up to Andrew Turski and says, here's a crap ton of money, come play golf over here. And I mean, and you just say, "Hey, yeah, I'm gonna do." Like, if you're just honest about it, everybody's like, "Okay, I, I can mm-hmm. see myself doing the same thing." And but every one of them has the, you know, the publicist writing the answers, and it's, you know, "Well, I want to grow the game, and I want to do that." <laughs> no, you don't. You got a bunch of money to play in a, what you thought was less golf. Now you realize, "Hey, I want to play more." And you know what? Hey, the PGA Tour does have some really awesome events and some majors that I want to play in, and all that stuff. And I lost all that, and now I want it back. So can't do that's that. my theory on it. Yeah, can't you that. can't. But I do. Again, I will say. Opinion. I will that's just really... say that the team thing is pretty interesting. I think the team names are awful. The logos Terrible. are really bad. But um, them introducing the opportunity to like own the team and then get it sponsored and work with merchandisers and get a cut of that money. I will say that's a little interesting. Because right now, yeah. like, the PGA Tour setup is that you try to get an equipment deal for XX number of dollars. I think that money is probably going down recently. Um, like, equipment sponsored deals, you know, a full yep. insert company here, bag deal, plus 13 clubs. I think that money is probably dwindling. Um, so they are looking to probably pad their bank accounts with more income. And I think that team thing where you could sell merch and get a cut of that, I think that's interesting. Um, I'm sure players from other sports would like cuts of their jersey sales and, you know, merchandise sales from in the stadium, (laughs) Um, their footlocker deals. I mean, I'm sure they'd like a cut of that. So if golfers are introduced to that type of income, I think that's pretty intriguing. Um, As a player, that would be something I would – definitely want to hear about and hear what percentage we're talking about how much control i have can i try to track down nike and work with nike's design team and then all of a sudden we have hats and merch and stuff that i get a cut of that sells in stores i think that would be pretty pretty cool pretty intriguing obviously there's other factors at play about (laughs) where some of the money is coming from and i'm not like looking past that that's very much um the real general point here but just saying the team thing and profit sharing based on that having control over that that would be kind of fun as a player something a little different anyway we're moving off a live <laughs> that's done let's get back yeah. to the Wyndham championship here um all right so we thought that adam scott might be testing some new irons this week so we we're on the lookout for that i talked to him a little bit he's like I didn't have time to do any iron testing this week, and he's also like it was really hot. So, <laughs> so no no iron <laughs> testing for Scott. He did do a little Strixon ZX driving iron test, though. Um, he's got Ooh. a steel shaft in there, whereas he has a Mizuno fly high in the bag, like the black head on there. He's been playing that yep. for months, really. Um, every time I've looked yeah, at his bag time. or shot his what's in the bags or talked to him, he's had the Mizuno driving iron in there. 
now he's also been kind of working with the Strix on ZX, so that's something to keep an eye on going forward. Um, I don't really have any insight from it. I think he was pretty early in the testing, just something he wanted to try. But if it goes in the bag this week, obviously he's made his decision on that, and we'll catch up with him next week on why why the change. Um, <laughs> I'm just kind of running down some things. Um, Justin Rose was testing a new Axis 1 prototype putter. Yep. So really Saw it's that. it looks like it's one piece. It looks like it's all milled uh from stainless. Yeah. And it looks like that from a dress, but it does have a sole plate that's a different material with uh it's made of aluminum the sole plate and then there's two tungsten plugs in the heel and toe underneath that sole plate. So it's three pieces, technically three different materials um but it's milled uh, the stainless piece is milled, um, and then it's put together to basically. So basically, they're trying to get the weighting system and the balance and the torque free exactly the same. Center that CG along the face, while making the top part look uniform, like to look a little bit cleaner. Because obviously, the Axis One, like the Rose Proto that he's been using since 2019. Um, it has the silver front part, the stainless uh, front part, the top line, yeah, and then the back piece is carbon. It's really light back piece, um, so they're kind of just messing around with the look and the weighting, and Justin Rose is out there trying it. He seemed to like it. He said it looks really clean, feels great. Um, I'm not sure if he's exactly going to switch this week. Um, to me, it seemed kind of just fly on the wall watching that he wanted to adjust like the back wings a little bit, just like these small um, aesthetic changes. But I think he likes the way the putter performs. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, maybe month or next year or a couple of weeks down the road that he switches. This week, I'm not sure if he's going to switch. It seemed like he had some feedback and some changes to make, but that's kind of where we're at on Justin Rose. The, the most interesting part of Justin Rose <laughs> – Switching to this Axis One in 2019 is that in uh, the majors, he's currently leading strokes gain putting by a hugely wide margin in all the majors since he switched into that. You wouldn't immediately think of Justin Rose leading majors uh, nah. in putting since 2019, but it's a blowout. I think Webb Simpson's wow. far in second place on that category. Yeah, I mean it's it's interesting only because Justin Rose is like I mean I don't want to say he's kind of fallen oh. off, but he's kind of fallen off. I mean the past few, Did you say Justin for the past Rose couple is of years he's up? been he's not, If oh, he was on man. the show, would you say he's washed no, I didn't up? No, he's washed face. up. I didn't say he's washed up. I said he the past couple of years he has not played that great. I mean he's played okay. Wow. Um he's not played like he did um you know, a few years before that, when he was, re- I mean, there was a time when Justin Rose, what, I think he was, was he number one in the world? Hold on. We're close to I'm it. I'm going to look up his results real Guy quick. Was... Let's just, you keep going, but, you know, before we bash okay. Justin Rose for but anyway, so... being overrated or whatever you just said. So. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, be, so pretty amazing that he, uh, that he, uh, it, you know, is that far apart or far in front of everybody in the, in the majors, but. I do have to say the Axis one, this prototype, looks a lot better than the first one. The original Rose one I didn't like. The two tone, like you mentioned, the, the the steel front, the carbon back, the the silver and black, 
for whatever reason, the way it went together, it just didn't, to my eye, look very good. And I know Axis One is kind of a little bit of a, it's a different style putter. Um, it just looks different, so people are going to kind of love and hate it anyway. But I think going to like kind of the all milled uh, look where it's all stainless steel, all silver, I think is a huge improvement. I think it looks way better uh, than some of the previous Axis One models. All right, so I'm just going to go through real quick. 2021-2022 season, I'll just give the Justin Rose highlights, and then I'll go back one more year, because I believe you said he's been washed up for, what, two years? I didn't say two, but I said from 2019, <laughs> I said I, he's he has not been his classic old form. I mean, I think, uh, I think he'll probably be proven right here, but he finished T6 at the Farmer's Insurance Open in 2022 nice, nice. he finished t14 zerg classic of new orleans obviously that's a team event t13 yeah. pga championship that ain't bad no nope. t4 at the rbc canadian open t37 us open cut at the masters cut to players um t9 hero world challenge 2021 t12 rsm classic 2021 and now let's take it back one year. Okay. Seventh at the Masters, 2021. Yep. Never heard of the Masters? <laughs> oh, he, he did play pretty well in the majors <laughs> last year. T8 at the PGA Championship. Um, T46 Open Championship. Missed the cut at the U.S. Open. T10 last year at the Wyndham. Um, so he's got good vibes there. And... T17 at the Zozo. So? I mean, that's I mean, not bad. I he mean, made 1.3 so mil so like, 20, 20, 2021 season, 21, 22. He made 1.4 mil. It's not terrible. That's it? I mean, he's out there making money, but. What's out on the money list, though? Like, 1.4 is like 100. That's not super high. Are you there. scoffing at 1.4 so I mean, million, dollars, Brian? No, he he was I mean, 98th in the FedEx for. Cup standings uh, last. Oh, he's 98th this year. He's 98th right now. Okay. Last year he finished 126. Ooh, is he Bubble Boy? He was just outside. Top 125, I thought, make it. Okay, so I think I think it probably proves your point. I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, like like you said, he's had some great performances, and I, and I and I don't take that away from him. But I just don't think overall, like you would think, that Justin Rose is putting lights out better than anyone else on tour. That's a, it's just a surprise. Yeah, he stat. had a couple obviously pretty good and, finishes. 2021, uh, seventh and eighth, yep. I think I said, and then back in 2018, 2019, he made 4.3 million. Um, yeah, finished, he won the Farmers Insurance, third Wells Fargo. T three at the U.S. Open, um, so yeah, yeah, it was maybe you're right. No, I mean, and that's just what I said. I mean, like you think about when you think about like 2015, 16, 17, Justin Rose. It's like wow, that guy was top of the world. I mean, he was doing really well. He was playing exceptionally well, and then just the past couple of years, he's just kind of it was like, and I don't want to blame. I'm not blaming on anything, but that as soon as he made kind of that equipment change from TaylorMade things seemed to go off the rails a little bit for him. And then he was kind of searching and I'm not blaming it on the equipment. I think just timing wise, that's around when it was. And, uh, he, 
hopefully we'll get it back. I mean, he's a guy that I think a lot of people like to watch. His swing's money. I love watching him swing. He works super hard. I think having that big equipment change, yeah, um, yeah it kind of like messed up his game a little bit. You could tell he wasn't all the way comfortable, and then once you kind of take that confidence hit, it is tough to return to being fully 100% confident in what you're um, – what you're using, what you're doing. He did switch back into tailor-made P730 irons. I don't know exactly when, whether it was this week or um, very recently, but the, at the U.S. Open he was using the 620 MBs. So he's still working. Yep. He's, st- he's still working. <laughs> still grinding. Still grinding. I mean, that's what it's all about. Um, okay. So two more quick topics, and then we'll let you go get focused in on your Ryder Cup. We had some new Odyssey Toulon putters <laughs> pop up. Did you look at these? I feel like they're they're your yeah, style too. I did. Yeah, I mean they're 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 kind of the. I mean they're an Odyssey number eleven, an Odyssey eleven. They're really much that style. Just instead of being cast and having weight, they're they're all milled. Uh, they have the Toulon uh, diamond uh, face on the front. Uh, all that. I, I think they look really good. I, I think they do. The shape I think is really solid. Ton of different sightline options for the guys on tour. Bunch of different necks. Um, but overall, I think, yeah, really clean looking. Um, I kind of like just like the single sight line that goes like the whole length of the top. I think that looks really sharp, but, uh, overall, yeah, I think they did a really good job. That's the, I think they're called the Le Mans. The Le Mans. I'm happy you pronounced it that way because my, my pronunciation was not going to be as good, but I have a little inside info from Joe Toulon. Odyssey Putter right. works directly with tour players. I'm sure he helps with design a little bit. He said, it's a prototype mallet that is proving to be very popular shape. We made about five or six up for guys this week and took orders for about five to six more. Um, he's thinking that Brian Stewart might put one in play this week. And he's just not sure whether like other guys are actually officially going to make the switch or you know they're waiting, they're testing, or they're waiting for their orders. He said, size-wise, it's a tad smaller than a white-hot OG number 7. It's got a very similar pro- profile to a number 7, but with a flatter crown and top, allows us to do a variety of different sightline options. Um, and he said, a lot of non-staffers showing interest as well. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a big fan. Like I said, the, the one interesting thing is that they've only got, or at least most of them only have one, like the two long weights have changed. They've kind of gone to a little like oval-looking shape. And uh, they've only had, with a, a putter of this size, at least of this length and everything, you'd think there'd be a couple weights on the sole of it. And it's only really got one. It's got one weight right in the front, dead center, right into the face. Um, so I'm assuming that's just dialing in, you know, a little bit of swing weight, head weight, to, to match it up perfectly with whatever uh, the player wants. But, yeah, overall, uh, oh, actually, that's, uh, that's a lie. There's one in the very back. I just saw it. Uh, if you look at the... Don't I'm lie to not trying to, but it's kind of hidden under the top flange, <laughs> and it's only like one certain photo uh, that uh, it is it that is. you can see it. So there's two little weights there, but they're they're kind of hidden. So that's uh, but that's pretty cool. Like I said, I like them. I think they look uh, like a, a slightly cleaner, like you said, a little smaller version of the Odyssey 11. Well, check out the forums. It's in the tour and pre-release forum. Um, I believe it's titled Odyssey Toulon Prototype Putters Spotted yep. Wyndham Championship. And we got one more big forum thread from this yeah. week. 
and I'm going to try to keep this. Okay. We're at 55 minutes. I'm trying to keep it under an hour for you. <laughs> um, but do you like read Barstool sports foreplay podcast, anything like that? I don't read any of it, but, uh, I mean, I'm familiar with foreplay and, and all that stuff. Damn shots fired. I'm just kidding. I mean, I just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just trying to start some beef right now. Um, so Riggs was out there. Barstool Riggs. Uh, real name is, I don't know how exactly to pronounce it, Sam Bozoian. Something um, like that, yeah. He's like their lead golf guy, Barstool Sports. He hosts the Four Play podcast. He does the Barstool Classic events. He did the Let Them Play Classic for the NCAA women. He was out there playing with Kevin Kisner in the Pro-Am. So I caught up with Riggs to do a little what's in the bag see what he had in the bag now it's Riggs Trent and Frankie Frankie Borelli lefty um and there's another guy there's another guy Lurch yeah they have like a tailor-made sponsorship so technically they're on staff with tailor-made so he does have an all tailor-made setup um and I'll kind of just list through the clubs real quick definitely go out and Go into the forums and check out the photos for yourself. They have, or he has like some ain't no hobby head covers, which I believe they made into a merch line, which was like a Kevin Kisner quote. Um, yep. This ain't no hobby. So he's got a Stealth Plus 8 degree driver. That was surprising that yeah. it went that low. Um, and he has a Hazardous RDX Smoke 70 6.0 Flex on the driver. Obviously, pretty low loft there, nuts. And and he's got it set one click lower as well. Yeah. So it's like actually like seven point seven five, seven point, whatever. But going lower than yeah, Rory I mean, really is interesting. an interesting take. But I do believe he got fit at the Kingdom, so I'm sure yeah. he's probably like a high spin guy. They're trying to knock spin down or something like that. And and it's and I, and I've watched a little bit of their stuff of like them playing against other pros. Mm-hmm. Like I've watched some of that stuff, and they do like little shot tracers and everything. It doesn't look like he hits it super high. I mean, maybe that's why, because they got him into a lower driver. But um, everything he hits, I mean, seems kind of like it's a pretty penetrating trajectory already. So it's kind of interesting that he's playing an 8 degree head. But like you said, it could be some swing dynamics where he hits down on the ball and creates a ton of spin, because that's a pretty low spin combo right there. I mean, that Project X uh, uh, Smoke Black uh, RDX is, is really low spin. It's low launch, so pretty low spin setup and then keeping with the low degrees of loft with the stealth plus three wood he's got it is a rocket three 13 and a half degrees and he's got a ventus blue 7s what do you think about that and it's set again like three or two clicks low (laughs) and that's a 13 and a half degree head um yeah, I mean, it, maybe it's something, too, with maybe he his misses left. I mean, again, I, I've watched a little bit of his stuff. I haven't, like, analyzed any of his, you know, swings or anything like that. But maybe he misses it left, so they're trying to open that face a little bit to get it to be square at impact. Um, very different shaft than than, Hazardous Black, than the Hazardous Black RDX. Uh, you know, a little, lot softer butt section, definitely higher launch. Um, but a, a good fairway wood shaft if you've got, like, a decent smooth tempo. I mean, I, I like the – the blue doesn't fit my swing as well. I'm more of kind of a red guy, but uh, the, the blue is a good fairway shaft, especially if you're playing, like, a, a low-launch, low-spinner for the driver. And then he's got the Sim UDI 2-iron, rocking the 2-iron, hazardous smoke, 90-gram, uh, 6.0 flex on that. Yeah, I mean, that's – that's. A, I mean, again, a 2-iron, I'd still – 
Interesting to see these other two iron. Uh, I feel like maybe like a stealth uh, or stealth plus hybrid might, might have been uh, the choice there. Because so kind of interesting to see the two iron. Uh, maybe it's just a, a straight play off the turf or something like that. But it, uh, I haven't. Uh, oh, it's the sim one too. Yeah, so it's, it's not even the brand new one yet. But that's uh, that's that's a low launching boy right there. So he's hitting some some day de- some definitely some. Missiles you can tell he plays a lot and practices a lot just by like the wear and tear of the club faces, um, etc. Then he goes down to the irons, P770, four through four through nine, because he has a mill grind um, pitching wedge. And shaft-wise, he's got Project XLZ, 6.0s in there. Uh, Project XLZ a little bit lighter than normal Project X. Uh, yeah, just a couple grams, though. But the interesting thing is, so he's got super low-loft driver, super low-loft fairway wood, a 2-iron, and then he goes into 770s, which yeah, launch yeah. fairly high. I mean, I've got a 7770s, and I like them, with a Project X LZ, which is a <laughs> higher launching shaft. So does he hit driver and wood super low, and then he hits uh, – or super high, and then he hits iron super low? It's a very interesting – I mean, again, he got fit, so, I mean, I'm not going to question that. It's just a very interesting setup to see a high-launching shaft when everything else is built for basically low-launch, yeah. low-loft. It doesn't seem all the um, way coherent. Or maybe the heads. Like, yeah, you never know what they did with the heads and the lofts no. and internal weighting. Yeah, exactly. But uh, the 770s are great. And I think for a guy like him who I think he's a – I want to say he's like a 7 handicap or something like that or a 5 handicap. I think, like, he's, he's, less, I think like he's less pretty than low single digits. 7. Um, I was following them for a couple holes. Yeah, I mean, be a 5 a couple, something like, like that. Yeah. rights off the tee. But it looks like he he plays pretty well. His short game solid. Yeah. Um, he had a really good bunker shot in one hole. Um, he's definitely like got game. He's he's a decent player. Probably the type to go out and just shoot like I mean, not, seven, I'm not, seven, I'm, seventy-eight, I'm, I'm, like pretty much wherever we're at. Oh yeah. I mean, the guy plays golf every single day, and I don't mean that as a knock. I'm just saying, like, if you follow them on social media, whatever, he is playing golf or hitting mm-hmm. balls in the range, whatever, every single day. So. Not to say that he should be good, but I mean, like, you're going to be a decent player if you play every day. And he has the luxury uh, through his, you know, his media that he gets to play every day, which is which is good for him. And then we got a bunch of mill grind three wedges. We got 46 degrees, 52 degrees, 56 with um, it looks like a custom grind on the bottom there to kind of take away a little um, bounce on the leading edge. And then. The 60 degree with definitely a custom grind, or he like hit a cart path too many times and the the sole super <laughs> smoothed out. <laughs> but yeah, you got to look at the look at the photos. I put them up on Instagram, Golf WX Instagram, or they're in that forum thread. But the 60 degree has, definitely has an interesting grind on it. Um, raw faces definitely gets a lot of wear and tear. He he practices a lot. You could just tell by you know how scratched up the the face is. And then, um, then the putter. He's got a pretty cool little my sputter X putter, red, white, and blue, um, which I believe is Barstool Sports' colors, like the navy, yeah. red, and white, um, and USA for obvious purposes. Um, yeah, yeah, it's a cool little putter. Definitely a custom job. He definitely needs to put the head cover on it probably a little bit more. It's pretty dinged up there, there in the back and the front. <laughs> it's pretty uh, But it's cool. Up. I mean, I always like the, the MySpider X where you can control the colors and make it look how you want. Um, I think he did a good job designing it. 
Yeah, and and uh, the fifty six is just the low bounce 08, which the low bounce they did add kind of that leading edge bevel, which probably makes it look different. Okay. Um, but that that was inspired a little, a little bit by the TW a grind. Extra leading edge bevel, but yeah. What about that sixty? Yeah, it's got because I think he's just used it so much. Like it doesn't look like it's because I feel like if they would have ground it, it would have been a little bit more uniform. That that to me, I think. I think he's just used it so much out of the bunker and stuff like that, and chipping and whatever he used. I think I think he's just used it a ton. Okay. It's just worn off. I thought I thought maybe Personally, that was the case. I, I, I was like 50-50 between that's a super custom grind and he just uses it a lot and probably out of the desert on car paths and just yeah. That's his that's his club yeah, he that play- he chips with all the time. I bet. Yeah, I, I think so too. I bet he just uses a sixty for everything, like every sand shot, all that. He's just he, he uses a sixty, and it's just worn out, which is pretty interesting because I mean, he is a tailor made athlete. I'm pretty sure he could just make a phone call and get a new sixty degree made up with a uh, you know his specs and all I'm that. Sure, he stopped at the tailor made uh, tour truck after the round and was like, "Hey guys, you know, freshen me up here." Yeah, yo, Shane Wade, toss me a new <laughs> yeah, sixty, yeah, buddies. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. But no, I mean he's uh, I mean he's played in a ton of he's played in a bunch of pro ams. He plays a ton of golf, man. It's uh, a lot of people hate on him because his putting stroke is kind of a little bit wacky. But the dude's like a five handicap, so um, you know, I mean the guy gets to play golf every day. I think a lot of people are jealous of him, and I mean I'm a little jealous that he gets to play golf every day. But um, he's got a solid setup. It's it's a bag that I could definitely see myself playing, just not the, that low aloft. I'd have to raise I need some more loft than that myself. Um, but, yeah, speaking to his yeah. janky putting stroke, I know a lot of guys with janky putting strokes that I ain't betting against. And he's been he's yeah. been just like playing a lot. You know, like you when you go and travel all different places and you play with different people and you kind of get your game, like, tested, you know, it's travel tested, battle tested, um, you're just not, like, scared of anything really. Like if you go out and play for money, it's not yeah. really that big of a deal. It doesn't matter what course it is. You want to go play the tips, fine. You know, he's been playing a lot and in a lot of different situations with Kisner and pros and stuff like that, you know. So um, you kind of get over that shell-shocked golfer feeling when you're traveling or playing for money or anything like that. So I'm not going to hate on his putting stroke. It seems to work well. He plays – he gets it around. Let's let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, and that will do it from the Wyndham Championship. That's when I know you got a Ryder Cup yeah. to go win. Make sure you bring home that trophy. I want a trophy appearance next week. Let's see how many beers fit in it. <laughs> All that. Ooh. I, um, I'm trying to think, does it have – I don't know if it has, like, an actual little cup on it. I'll have to, to double-check. I think it's just got a golfer on the top. I'll have to double-check. We'll play so, well. I'll see it. I'll see it Conference tomorrow. Conference shots, conservative targets. This was two guys talking golf from the Wyndham Championship. We'll see you next week.